0: so I know what you're thinking. What's different about Zach tonight? It's the glasses, right? It's all the glasses. I um, I usually use glasses to read, but last time I preached, I was trying to read and I couldn't read. I was like squinting. It looked like I was angry, but I'm not angry. So I'm wearing glasses tonight. And also, oh, oh, got this rock. It's actually really heavy. It doesn't look heavy, but it's actually really heavy. My arms are so sore now let me explain. Have you guys ever you know flicked open the Bible and just whew, and just read something really weird like check out this verse up here let me read it so if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son or daughter who does not obey his father and mother and just skip down, then all the men of his town shall stone him to death now like you. Open that and go, whoa, that's probably everyone in this room. So, that's why I bought this big rock. Um, hands up if, like, you reckon you've been a bit rebellious this week. All right, I'll be Let's go. Let's get this over and done with. Come on. Let's go. But No, nah, not really. Stay there. I'm not really going to kill you. But there's a bit of hush, guys. A bit of hush. There's tons of stuff like this in the Old Testament, guys. There's tons of stuff like this in the Old Testament. There are laws in the Bible that, you know, say you can't eat bacon or you can't wear clothes made of, you know, uh, clothes that are made of more than one material. And um, there's another place that says you have to put fortune tellers and psychics to death. Now, I'm guessing none of you guys have done that lately. Am I right? Now, not only that, but you've got say, you've got God saying that if we don't obey the law in the Old Testament, then we'll be put to death. That's pretty hectic. Now, they're hard rules to keep, and I'm sure none of us have even tried to keep those laws. But they're even harder ones. One of them is probably one of the most famous. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all... All your strength. Now, it might not sound like a bit, that's hard. That's really hard. And for so long, that's what God's people had to do. They struggled and suffered their whole lives trying to obey the law and be good enough to be saved. But, last week, we saw that we don't have to obey the law or do things to be saved. You know, we don't have to be try to be good to be saved. But what? So so for centuries, God was getting us to suffer under the massive burden of the law and all of a sudden he just changes his mind and we don't have to try to be good anymore to be saved. It It kind of sounds like me when I'm playing the Sims and I make like a pool but I don't, I put someone in it but I don't make a ladder so they can get out and they're just kind of like Kind of drown, send me drowning, send me swimming. I'm just laughing, and it's pretty fun. It's like that's pretty messed up. I'll admit it. But what's different between that and what God was doing? Is God just some cruel guy who likes to watch us suffer and struggle as we try and fail to obey the law, or is he just some idiot? who realized that it was too hard and then changed his mind to an easy way. This passage is going to help us figure out what's going on. Before that, I'd like to pray for us. Father, please speak to us tonight through your word. Please help me to to tell the truth and to be clear about the truth and help us all to believe what you're telling us. Help us to learn and help us to be humbled by your word amen okay so we're going to look at is god stupid first now the first thing i want you guys to see in this passage is that getting right with god has always been about believing not doing now let me take you why i reckon this is what paul thinks so first he gives an analogy. In that passage that was just read out, he first gives an analogy in verse 15. He says that if somebody makes a contract with you, or your Bible's probably say covenant, you can't just go ahead and change that, that covenant, that promise. Yep. Uh, if, if the covenants or the contract's already been settled. It's like I used to, in primary school, I used to play a bit of Pokemon, with Pokemon cards. That was my best card, all right? Shiny, Vaporeon pretty good. Now, it's like if I was, you know, um, I promised a guy, guys, I promised someone that if he beat me, then I would give him my best card. No matter what happens from then on, if I've made that promise, if that promise has been settled with him, nothing's go, nothing can change that promise. Now, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, Paul explains in verse 17. Have a look at with me verse 17 what I mean is this the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise ok so the law was given a bunch of years later after the promise or the covenant that he made um, was given but what is this law and promise what well, what is he talking about? Let's get a bit of background. Now, you probably haven't heard of these guys before, but um, a long time ago, uh, this guy met and fell in love with this girl. His name was Adam, her name was Eve, and it was, it was love at first sight. And like, like all romantic movies, you know, boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, Girl gets tricked by Satan to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Boy and girl both get kicked out of the garden of evil. Eden, not evil. (laughs) Classic romantic movie plot, right? Now, Adam and Eve were tricked by Satan into doing what God told them not to do. They sinned. They forgot God and betrayed him. The sad thing is that the real love story wasn't between Adam and Eve, but between God and them. That's what makes this so sad. God made them. He gave them everything. He loved them unconditionally, and they betrayed him. So they were punished for acting so evilly. And this started the whole story of all of humanity hating God and sinning. But like I said before, God loved Adam and Eve, and all of humanity unconditionally, which made him want to bring us back to him and save us. But the only way to bring us back is to deal with the problem of sin and God's anger at it. Which is where Abraham comes in. In Genesis 12, the beginning of the Bible, God calls Abraham and makes him this promise. You don't have to flick to it, but it's chapter 12, verse 2. I will make you in, this is God talking to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will, will be blessed through you. So through Abraham, somehow, God is going to bless all of us this is God bringing us back to him. Then about 400 years later, Abraham's descendants were enslaved by Egypt, and God remembers his promise to Abraham and rescues his people. He leads them out of Egypt, and he gathers them together, and then gives them the law, which is just a a list of rules that they had to live by. Things like the rules that I mentioned at the start. If they obeyed the law, then they'd be blessed and they'd live. But if they didn't obey the law, then they'd die and they'd be punished. So now we come back to Galatians. And Paul's point is just because God gave the law after or 400 years after he made the promise, that means nothing to the actual promise. The promise is still in effect. The law doesn't get rid of the promise just because it came afterwards. That makes no sense. God's promise of salvation isn't done away with just because the law came after. It was made, it was, he made a promise to save us by faith. And just like you know, I promised to give my best Pokemon card to that guy if he beat me, he would come through on his promise as well. It's always been about believing, not doing. From the very start. So he's not, he hasn't just changed his mind all of a sudden. It's always been his plan. And this plan has always been about Jesus. Look at verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and your seed meaning one person who is Christ. God, this is mind-blowing, right? God also was promising that promise to Jesus all the way back then. From the first promise to Abraham, God already planned that the blessing would ultimately come through Jesus. Jesus was always the high point. Always a final destination for God. He was always aiming towards him. There was never a time when God wasn't heading to that point. The law wasn't a distraction or a detour or a mistake. It was all part of his plan. God's not stupid because there was always the way to be right with him. It wasn't like he actually took the ladder out and made us... Of struggle to swim in the pool, the ladder's always been there, and that's always been part of his plan. Even before Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus was the plan. It's always been about believing in Jesus. I'm just gonna fix this thing, for just a second. All right, that's probably good. Now, this has huge implications for how we read the Bible. Where am I? There I am. When you're reading this book, this Bible, especially the Old Testament, you have to read it with the Jesus glasses on, right? Because it's all heading to Jesus. Not only that, but the laws that we read in the Old Testament, they're not for us. That's really important to understand. The laws you read in the Old Testament are not for us. They were given to the Jews, not Christians. So keep that in mind when you're reading Another thing, read this book. This is the best book in the world. It's the greatest story ever written of God working to bring His people back to Him through Jesus. Not by making them try to be good, but just by believing in Jesus. This book is not something you want to miss out on. Here's a tip on how to read it. Um, To make sure you read it, just pick a time and a place to read it, In um, like plan ahead. So that way you're more likely to actually do it. So for me, I plan on reading the Bible when I'm on the bus to work. And so that way it's far more likely that I'm actually going to read the Bible. Pretty simple. Getting right with God has always been about believing, not doing the law. But that doesn't fully answer the question. Sure, it's always been about believing... From the beginning, but he still gave the law to start with. Like, if it's always been about believing and not doing, then why the heck would he give the law, which you know we constantly fail to do? Why would he want us to suffer like that and struggle? The answer, the question, still remains: Is he cruel? Well, the second thing I want you guys to see from this passage is that he didn't give it because he's cruel but because he cares. Have a look at verse 19. So Paul's asking the same question we're asking right now. Why then was the law given at all? Here's the answer. It was added because of transgressions until the seed whom the promise referred had come. That's Jesus. So what does this mean, it was given because of transgressions? Now, transgressions just means like, breaking rules, right? Which is essentially what sin makes us want to do, break rules. So it was added because of this rule-breaking tendency in us caused by sin. What? There's, a, there's a bunch of things to say about this, but there's just one thing I want to focus on tonight, and that is the law shows us and exposes our sin. We all have hearts that have been infested with sin, which makes us naturally want to be far away from God as we can possibly be. We want to hate Him, but you can't see inside your hearts. It's super easy to miss the infestation in your hearts because sin's invisible. It's an attitude. It's inside of you. You can't see it. So when God gives us rules to obey... Our hearts naturally want to break those rules, right? And that makes it visible. That makes our inside problem visible when we can actually see the effects it causes. The law acts like a standard, right? The law says you must be at least this good to be right with God, but we're way down here. We're nowhere near the standard that God has set for us. And we wouldn't have been able to see That mark, we would have missed that mark if we didn't have the law to show us. The law brings sin out into the open. Now, the law is a bit like my white tiles in my shower. Okay, so to have a shower, I have to walk through an outside courtyard because it's like a kind of, it's outside, it's in a room but it's not attached to the house, which really sucks. So I have to walk through this outside courtyard. And so my feet are usually getting pretty dirty by this point. And, you know, I can really see the dirt coming off when I'm on my white tiles in my shower. They expose the dirt on my feet. And God's law exposes the dirt in us. And we need to know that. If we didn't know that we had a problem with sin then we wouldn't know we have a problem with God and we wouldn't know that we deserve punishment and we wouldn't know how to escape from that punishment. If I didn't you know, know that I had dirt on my feet, I wouldn't try to wash it off because I wouldn't know about it. But God cares about you and he gave us the law to show you guys that you have this massive problem. He gave the law because he cares about you, not because he wants to see you suffer. So what does this mean for us? If you're not a Christian, then you should realize how well the Bible explains the problem with the world. It explains it perfectly. The problem with the world is sin. Have you ever felt like there's something broken with the world? Something's wrong with with the world. You know, we see all these wars going on, like between Russia and Ukraine and Gaza and Israel and ISIS, you know, taking over and killing so many people in Iraq. There's so much evil in the world, and the Bible explains it perfectly. The, when you look at the world, it just confirms again and again that the Bible is true. The only solution is Jesus, Jesus has the only solution, and the solution is is to believe him. For the Christians here, there's a lot to be thankful to God for. How often do you thank God? Like, you know, once a day, if that. How much do you reckon we should be thanking God? More than once a day. Secondly, doing things won't get you anywhere with God. As soon as you start thinking about what you can do to make God like you, you're getting far away from true Christianity. True Christianity is not about what you can do, but about who you believe. So Christian, keep trusting Jesus. Finally, God's perfect law helps us to see how awful sin is do you hate sin? I think we should. Part of growing as a Christian isn't just being able to stop sinning, but about growing in your hatred of sin. know, there might be things that you do that you kind of know are wrong, but, you know, there's a part of you deep down that secretly actually likes doing it. Hate sin. Don't like it here's two ways that are, I reckon are really helpful in growing our hatred of sin now there's a super old guy called Thomas Brooks who wrote this book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices she really just rolls off the tongue down great title of the book here's one from him now this was made this was written like 400 years ago so it's not like the easiest English to understand Look on sin with that eye with which within a few hours we shall see it. O souls, when you shall lie upon a dying bed and stand before a judgment seat, sin shall be unmasked, and its dress and robe shall then be taken off, and then it shall appear more vile, filthy, and terrible than hell itself, than that which formerly appeared most sweet. talking about what sin used to look like to us, will appear most bitter, as it really is. And that which appeared most beautiful will appear most ugly. And that which appeared most delightful will then appear most dreadful to the soul. Oh, the shame, the pain, the gall, the bitterness, the horror, the hell, that the sight of sin, when its dress is taken off, will raise in poor souls. Sin will surely prove evil and bitter to the soul when its robes are taken off. So think of sin as you will in heaven, as ugly, as evil as it really is. And secondly, remember that each one of those sins you do cost Jesus his life. He died for those things that you keep doing. So hate them. They killed Jesus, but praise God that he died for them. Is God cruel or stupid? No way. Since before Adam even sinned, the plan was always to trust in Jesus. The whole Old Testament was pointing forward to the day that Jesus would come. And in his infinite love and grace, he gave us the law to expose our sin. So we'd see how much we need Jesus. God is the complete opposite of cruel and stupid. He's the most caring and infinitely smart person you you would ever find. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for how much you care for us and how much you love us because we... We don't deserve it one bit. Like There's nothing we can do to make you love us. But for some reason, because you're just a loving God, you love us regardless, unconditionally. And we ask that you help us to, to see our sin for what it really is and to remember always that this has always been your plan. Jesus is the ultimate plan and your only plan for us. Please help us to remember that to praise you for Jesus. Amen.